0: Judge Janine Piro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Janine Piro is dominating the headlines right now. Tunnel to Towers Foundation presents the Judge Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Piro.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Uh, I wasn't with you last week because I was away for on vacation, but I'm telling you it's nice to be back. And I hope everyone is enjoying their Sunday so far as I am. It's always a wonderful day here in New York City. And as always, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners on the Red Apple Audio Network and you know i came back i was in greece for a few days i must tell you the sun is just different in greece the water is gorgeous it was truly beautiful so i come back to the united states and there's like So much going on. I I must tell you, though, I did unplug for the week. I did. I did. I admit it. uh, And it was nice. All I did was think about how beautiful it was. And in Greece, you know, I don't know if any of you remember this, but, you know, I remember reading the Iliad and the Odyssey when I was in school, and we were reading it in Greece. And I kept thinking, I'm Homer, and I'm looking for Ithaca. And amazingly, there's an island in the Corinthian, and it's called uh, uh, Ithaca. And... uh, it was, it was really very cool. It was very beautiful, very beautiful place, beautiful food, wonderful. So I come back to the United States. So much is going on in this country. You know, it, it, it is great to be back. I love America. I love this country. I, I, I fight hard for it every Sunday and five days a week as well uh, on my show, The Five, on, uh, on Fox. Uh, and, and I fight for it because there is so much to be valued here and we fight because we don't want to lose what we have and you know it, it's kind of interesting greek was the you know in greece is where they came up with the concept of democracy and you know we don't think about history that much we really should uh, and we can thank the Greeks for for democracy and uh, a lot of a lot of great things that happened there over the centuries. So I come back to the United States, and uh, you know Biden is uh, still in the tank; his numbers are in the tank, and nobody wants him to run again. And uh, what I thought was hysterical was there was this debate between two Congress people in New York uh, who are running, uh, and their their district has been redistricted, so they're running against each other, and one says, uh, you know, Joe Biden is not going to run again, and Carolyn Maloney is her name. She's a congresswoman, a longtime congresswoman, Democrat, and uh, she says, uh, you know, he, he's not going to run again, and apparently, uh, after, that made a lot of news this week, because, you know, nobody's saying for sure if he is or isn't, so, uh Neither would answer until she came out and said he's not going to run again. So while Joe's overall approval rating is like 33 percent, the lowest in modern history, uh, and by the way, 94 percent of the Democrats under the age of 30 don't want him to even be the nominee. So apparently Carolyn Maloney, this congresswoman who says he's not going to run the Democrat, she must've gotten beat down right after that debate because the next day she says, and get this, she's on CNN and she says, Mr. President, I apologize. I want you to run. I happen to think you won't be running, but when you run or if you run, I will be there 100% for you, Maloney says, while looking into the camera on CNN show. You deserve it. You're a great president. Thank you for everything that you've done for all the states and all the cities in America. Thank you, Mr. President. Okay. My reaction to that is number one, what the hell is she thanking him for? What has she done? What has he done for the big cities? Uh, And number two, uh, she says he's a great president. Well, like 88% of the people in this country think we're going in the wrong direction. But, I mean, that gives you an idea of how politicians – I mean, they're just not trustworthy. They're not honest. They're hypocritical. We need to go back, I think, where there are no parties, where people are just honest with what they say and what they think. And then we had – uh, we had, uh, uh, Texas governor Abbott. He sends these illegals up to the cities in the Northeast. They freak out in New York city. The mayor of New York city is freaking out because they're sending illegals to New York. Hey, mind you, you should only be sending, leaving them at the border. So the s- Southern states have to deal with it. But I want you to listen to the mayor of New York city, Eric Adams responding to these illegals.
0: These as a political, um play. It's just, it's, it's just, he finally admitted what we were saying. And uh, we're going to continue to be open arms. This is who we are as a city. And we just need help from the federal government. We have a, we're having a great conversation this afternoon with the federal government uh, to figure out how we can get this right. But it is despicable what we're witnessing in Texas
1: okay so there you got the mayor he he wants to welcome them with open arms but what's despicable is what's happening in texas that means that texas governor abbott shouldn't be sending these people to new york city hey mayor adams you're a sanctuary city deal with it the southern texas arizona they don't get any money from the federal government federal government just says we're going to keep these borders open and that's the end of it and now you've got mayor bowser from dc saying i want 150 national guard to come in to take to deal with these illegals the federal government says no you know what they're hypocrites all of them blame joe biden he's the problem now, we're going to get to all those topics and break it all down for you here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Plus, later on in the show, uh, I'm going to be speaking with Charlie Kirk and Colonel Kellogg about what else has been going on in the country. It's all coming up in just a few moments here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. And never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate eleven dollars a month at t2t.org. That's T the number two t.org. Up next on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will be speaking with General. I called him Colonel, sorry about that, Keith Kellogg, right here on the Red Apple Audio Network.
0: This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau.
1: Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is a, an extremely competent guy who is always interesting to listen to. He is retired lieutenant general in the United States Army and former national security advisor. Please join me in welcoming General Keith Kellogg to the, uh, to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Now, I, I just want to tell you a little bit about the general. I mean, he served as national security advisor to Vice President Pence. Executive Secretary, Chief of Staff of the United Nations National Security Council in the Trump administration. During Vietnam, he served in the 101st Airborne Division and, uh, after qualifying as a U.S. Army Special Forces officer, an advisor, uh, it goes on and on, folks. This guy's the real deal. All right. Good morning, General. Uh, I come back from Greece. Uh, i 'm not listening to the news. I come back. I find out that good old uh, Nancy Pelosi decides that she needs to go to Taiwan. Who the hell knows why and uh, now what we 've got are the Chinese who are engaging, apparently as I understand it in s- uh, simulated attacks on Taiwan uh, and a you know heightened simulation war what, what, what is going on? Do you know why she went there, and what are the Implications and consequences.
2: Yeah, Judge. Judge, thanks for having me. Look, first of all, it was an uncoordinated trip. I mean, that was very clear when you had the administration's reaction to her deciding to go. Uh, they and they pushed back on her, and then they had the military departments, uh, primarily the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the secretary, I'll try to push back. She went anyway. I think you know very candidly, Judge. Once she got out that she was going, they were caught in a, a real bind. You know, they were damned if they did and damned if they didn't going forward. The problem is now with Taiwan, the Chinese are now looking at this and they're putting multiple incursions into the, the Taiwan's airspace with uh, air, uh, hundreds of aircraft going into the air defense identification zone. They're flying rockets and missiles all around Taiwan. It's a clear show of force by them. And my concern now is that while we thought this was just going to kind of continue to go on in time, they the Chinese President Xi is looking at the United States in a very weakened state and the leadership is in a weakened state based on everything you see happening around the world. And I think he's now thinking, maybe I can do this within the next two years of conducting an invasion of Taiwan and bring it under the realm of China. And it was always, this is of our own making. And they've kind of forced their way into this. And now we're kind of Stuck with it, you know. It, my frustration is this administration sometimes doesn't understand the gravity of their moves when they when they make these decisions. You know, when you look at multiple national security events simultaneously, one can be hard, but they've got China, Taiwan, Ukraine, Russia, Iran nuclear deal. They've got Afghanistan. They got North Korea, and I don't think they've got the adults in the room to handle this. And and I huh. think. In the next couple of years, we're going to have some real problems.
1: You know, it's interesting, uh, General Kellogg, that you predict that China could possibly invade Taiwan while Biden is in office. Um, and, you know, when you identify all of the calamities going on in the world, the United States is exhibiting not just a timid foreign policy, but a uh, a, a disorganized one. Let's go back to uh, uh, Nancy for a minute, an uncoordinated trip. There are some people saying Gee, that's great. Nancy did it. She showed how we're tight with uh, Taiwan. We support them. But w- the United States go back. Let's go back to the policy. Has a one-China policy, which basically says everybody, it, it, it's China, and that's the end of it. But do we have a tree, treaty with Taiwan that we will defend it if it's in, if it's invaded?
2: No, no, we. We used to in 1976. Jimmy Carter abrogated the treaty. It was, it was a defense treaty with uh, with Taiwan. And they, and they did it – Carter did it on his own, and, and Congress was so mad at it. That's when they passed what's called the Taiwan Relations Act, which means we give them arms, defensive arms. And I, and you're right about this. When we went back to a one-China policy, it goes back to the Shanghai communique of 1972 when Nixon was last night in visiting uh, China. Mm-hmm. They signed this communique It basically said, well, it's one-China policy, and Taiwan will become part of China. Uh, you we're going to do it through diplomatic means. I, I remind everybody – Taiwan has really never been part of China. China and Japan fought a war in in, in uh, the late 1800s, and as a result of that war, and China lost the war, mm-hmm. that Japan gained control of Taiwan. So Taiwan, for years and generations, have been has been part of Japan, not part
1: of Interesting. China. Interesting. No you know what? I'll bet. I bet a lot of people, general, didn't know that. I, I bet a lot of people, you know. It, it, look, this isn't a priority for for Americans, but everybody kind of just assumes that China at one time ruled Taiwan. But you're saying that didn't happen.
2: No, because they lost a war in the late 1870s with Japan, and Japan gained Taiwan in perpetuity, forever, sort of like Guantanamo Base with the United States of America and Cuba. So I, I remind everybody, look, everybody keeps thinking Taiwan's always been part of China. No, it wasn't. It, it hasn't been there. And then when you look at Taiwan right now, which is our seventh largest trading partner, there were kind of a stopgap in the South China, north of the Ch- South China Sea. And when it goes back to Nancy Pelosi visiting there, I wish she would have coordinated with everybody. But more important, I wish she would have taken that down that she went. I wish she had taken a bipartisan delegation. When Newt Gingrich went there in 1997, he took a bipartisan Delegation. Nancy took only Democrats. I think that's really foolish when you, when you go there. uh, uh, Do
1: you expect anything grander from her? She's a political operative and you know what general, I got to tell you, you know, it looks like she's going to, you know, the Republicans are going to take the house. She's not going to be Speaker. So this is her grand tour. And the fact that Biden couldn't stop her is amazing. You remember when Donald Trump, president Trump stopped her from going on a junket. You know, he just said the plane's not taking you honey. And that's the end of that one. Um, But uh, but let's talk about, you know, Biden and how he looks in all of this. You know, Xi Jinping, when he talked about Nancy Pelosi said, if you play with fire, you get burned. Now, Biden downplays the whole thing and basically says, oh, oh well, there's there's no problem there. But, of course, he doesn't release the phone call or any of the information or the translation. Um, you know, China knows That Biden doesn't have the chutzpah or, you know what I'm talking about, the backbone to uh, uh, to fight anything. So it's not unusual, like during the Biden administration, when Russia took Crimea, uh, I mean, Obama administration, Russia took Crimea in 2014. Nobody said boo. And now uh, it looks like it's going to happen before the 2024 election. Has it ever been this bad? I mean, of 10 ever been this bad between the united states and china general kellogg
2: judge no I, it has not been and frankly one and i hate to say this and it's going to sound terrible but i think biden is compromised in china because of hunter biden and i just oh, think yeah. that's going to eventually come out but i've never seen the relations this bad look they have never ever uh, done the chinese have done what they've done with taiwan they've done recently you know when when in in 2019 we that well the Trump administration put three carrier battle groups around Taiwan in the South China Sea, and 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 we made it very clear to them don't screw around with the United States of America, and I just don't think that the Chinese really have any respect at all for Joe Biden. And remember, remember Bob Gates said, his former Secretary of Defense right. and former Director of CIA. You know Joe Biden's been wrong on nearly every national security decision in the last forty years. Yeah, foreign policy, Obama right. Said, yeah, and Obama said never underestimate Joe's ability to screw something up. You know, Judge, here's where I think the real you know, cut comes from is when when the Obama administration went under after Osama bin Laden and they were in the situation room making the decision to go or no-go to go take down Obama I'm, – I'm sorry, take down Osama bin Laden. Right. The guy in the room that said, no, don't do it was Joe Biden. That sets you up for a character flaw on leadership and having having the courage to do something and i think it's coming true in spades with every national security issue we have currently name me one somebody i I challenge anybody with all of those things going on right now name me one good thing he's done well they would
1: tell you yeah but general keith kellogg they'll say well he got out he got zawahiri you know good for him
2: yeah and that's one but but my counter to that is yeah that's really good but you know this is one of those they've let they abandoned Afghanistan just about a year ago, right? And the guy in charge of, of, of Afghanistan, the the interior minister, the guy responsible for safety and security, is a guy named Siri Haqqani, who runs the Hakani terrorist Haqqani
1: network. network. Oh, way, right.
2: This this guy's got a ten billion dollar bounty on his head from the FBI, and this guy's your interior minister, security. So of course he's letting Al Qaeda run wild in that area, and, and I think that's an ungoverned state. It's sort of like. In our old Wild West, we had the hole-in-the-wall gangs. I think you're seeing that in Afghanistan right now, where every known terrorist group is going to go in there because they know it's in sun-covered space. So he could say, yeah, we got got Sawahiri, but why did he go there in the first place? I mean, yeah. Why was he allowed to, to operate freely and openly uh, in, in pure violation of every accord we ever had with anybody?
1: Well, you know, I think that Biden's fumbling and his strategic ambiguity uh, and his weakness, even with the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, sends a huge message. Uh, It it really is embarrassing. I must tell you, General Kellogg, and all of the the, the collateral, not collateral, but the other issues that are are pending. You know, we've got Ukraine and Russia and, you know, the, the debacle in Afghanistan where the Taliban has. Did we ever figure out, although no one will admit it, the, the, the value of the equipment that we left in the hands of the Taliban, or did anybody ever talk about you know the fact that thirteen people were killed unnecessarily when they they do an exit plan from a cosmopolitan airport as opposed from a uh, a a fort that was protected? I mean, it's just it's it's lunacy.
2: Yeah. Well, you, there's three things could have happened. It was either poor planning, poor execution, or poor decision making. Uh, by the President of the United States who is Commander-in-Chief, and it's the, it was poor decision-making. There were plans set in place, and I know this with an absolute fact, certitude, because I was involved in it. There was absolute well-done planning for us to get out in a disciplined manner, and, and we were going to reach a certain position in our force structure where we are going to have 3,500 troops on the ground, over 3,000 paramilitary. We, we'd keep the airports. We'd keep everything ready to go. And then Biden just walked out the door on it. So that's what I'm saying. I think – You know, the planning was okay. The execution was ready to go. He just made some bad decisions out there. And, you know, the more important thing is the biggest uh, when you look at uh, the the biggest prison, he opened up the biggest prison right after he, he abandoned Afghanistan. You know, all the former Taliban just walk out the door.
1: Oh right, right. That was at the uh, at the fort there. What what was the name of that fort? I can't remember where they were.
2: Uh, uh, not uh, not at Kabul. Um, oh, I just
0: um, yeah. The airbase there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and okay. it's a shame. Had they stayed there, I mean, these people uh would have been in jail. But the, the bottom line is that, that that the president fumbled it. And the amazing part of it, General Kellogg, is that Biden chose to blame Trump, saying we had to get out of there. Uh and Trump didn't give him a deadline. Trump basically, you know, said that there is we we, we will end the war and it's time to leave. But that didn't mean you leave like in a panic, uh, which is yeah, what I- they did.
2: Yeah, and that was it. Was Bogram Air Base? That was the Bagram, base that was there. That's
1: right, Bagram Air and, and Base. Bagram, and,
2: and it was about twenty miles north of the capital. But they had, that's when they had that biggest prison in Bagram, and we let it go. I mean, it's it was, you know, it was it was what? a safe position because we was just north of there of the capital. It was secure. Uh, and we could have defended that in, in, in any case, but it just walked away from us.
1: Yeah, and put us in the middle of a cosmopolitan city as if that was going to be a safer way to exit. It was a very, very, very sad thing, and I think it's emblazoned in the minds of most Americans. But I think finally, uh, I think that the, 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 the biggest issue right now is that what will come with China simulating these attacks on Taiwan, the heightened, you know, simula- simulation of the war. Uh, the strategic ambiguity of the United States, the uncoordinated trip by Nancy Pelosi—I uh, think it signals not just the weakness of the America of America that they all knew, but the fact that it's time for China to act if they're ever going to act regarding Taiwan. Would you agree?
2: I agree, 100. percent. I think the next two years are going to be pretty interesting because I think that's going to be the window of vulnerability go going forward.
1: All right. All right. Thank you so much, General Keith Kellogg. You're always great to have on the show. Thank you for being with us. And born from the tragedy of 9 11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been monitoring America's heroes ever since. Donate $11 a month at t2t.org. That's T, the number two, t.org.
0: This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Piro.
1: Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. We've got a guest that uh, is on the line and joining us now. He's a political activist. He's a radio talk show host. He is founder of an incredible organization that is making a difference in America. It's called Turning Point USA. He is someone who has had an impact on the young generation. His name is Charlie Kirk. You may have heard of him. You may have seen him on television, on Fox. and. And uh, he has written a new book. It's called The College Scam, How American Universities Bankrupt and Brain Ross Way the Future of American Youth. He has been going on to college campuses for years. And uh, through his uh, turning point organization, which is a 501c3 nonprofit, uh, his mission is to identify, educate, and train organized students to promote principles of freedom, free markets, limited government which is not what we've been seeing in the country, Uh, and to get to the place where our kids, our grandkids, are learning that, you know, America isn't such a great place and uh, we're trying to change it. Uh, Do we have him on the line? Okay, good. Charlie Kirk, welcome to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. How are you? Good,
3: Judge. How are you?
1: I'm terrific, thank you. I'm back from uh, vacation, and I come back, and the country's in a mess. But then again, I guess if I were here, I would have been able to see it day by day. But, Charlie, I just talked about you and the fact that you're one of the people who's making a difference in this country, a huge difference. You wrote a book that uh, the college scam, how American universities bankrupt and brainwash away the future of the American youth. You didn't go to college, right?
3: That's correct, yes.
1: Okay, so what are you you telling us in your new book, Charlie?
3: Well, thank you, Judge. In the new book, I'm basically making the argument that some people should go to college, but the industry itself is uh, not serving young people well. In fact, too many people are going to college. For example, 40% of people that enroll in four-year college drop out, 40%. Uh, That's an extraordinary number. On top of that, another 41% of people, if they graduate and if they get a degree, And if they find a job, they'll end up finding a job in a career that does not require a college degree. Interesting. And not to to mention all of the student loan debt, the terrible woke ideas. And look, of course, college is necessary for some people, lawyers, doctors, nurses. But the vast majority of people going to college, Judge, are not studying those things. The vast majority of people are studying sociology or communications. And those are fine things to study. I suppose, but is it really worth a hundred, a hundred twenty thousand dollars in student loan debt? Is it worth putting yourself in a compromising financial position uh, mm-hmm. alongside all of these bad ideas? So, what I'm arguing in this book is that the industry itself operates. Like a scam, and if any other industry was like this, where you had 40% of customers that wouldn't even complete from start to finish, if you had another 41% of people that actually don't use the thing that they went to go to college or went to the industry to get, so that's what we argue in the college scam. People can find it at college scam com. And judge, you'd appreciate this. Um, I actually put the college industry on trial. I put forward a 10 count indictment. Um, I figured that the best way to persuade an audience is to act as if the audience is a jury and that I have facts that I want to try to bring forward to the um, potential jury to, hopefully flip their mind and persuade them and convince them that you know, college is not what it's meant out to be
1: well i agree with you charlie kirk and you know what's interesting you know when you say the 40 dropout uh, that makes sense to me but also 41 percent, if they graduate go on to a job that is not really connected to the uh to the uh major yes. to the uh the, to the the career that they expected to be involved in and i think that that is something that makes a lot of sense uh but it's almost a cultural thing, Charlie Kirk, wouldn't you say that if you're not college educated, you're not considered, you know, sophisticated enough. And that yep. argument, I think, especially now after the pandemic, is losing some of its, um, some of its shine, but also um, not just because of the pandemic, but because of people like you who are coming out and really exposing what's going on uh, in this, this money-making industry.
3: Well, thank you. Yeah, and I, I totally agree, Judge. First of all, there there is a lot of cultural pressure. Still, people come up to me and they said, "Hey, Charlie, you know, if you go to college, you could really make something of your life." <laughs> okay, you know, uh, I'll do that in the next decade. You know, yeah. and, and it's just it's just kind of part of how we judge success. That if you don't have the piece of paper, you're treated differently. And mm-hmm. the second part is you're, you're you're exactly right. I think that COVID opened up a potential educational renaissance in our country where people are reconsidering education more seriously, at least in my opinion, uh, in the last 30 years, and definitely, you know, in the last 10 years, people have been talking about education this much in a long time. And so what you saw during the pandemic, especially, is you saw these unbelievably high-priced universities that did not adjust their tuition at all, despite the fact going to completely online. And so a lot of students said, wait a second, then Wait, what what why why don't I get a little bit of an adjustment? Because the reason a college isn't do that, Judge, is they were afraid that all of a sudden that would open years of following questions of them adjusting their tuition when they're there in person.
1: Interesting. Right? So they, yep.
3: they couldn't budge an inch. And so you're totally right. Um, we're trying to destigmatize the idea of not going to college. Again, I totally admit in the book that college has a place in a, you know, functioning, you know, wealthy society. But I think 60 to 70 percent of the kids that enroll in, enroll in college should be going to community colleges instead. Plumbers, well, there's electricians, HVAC, computer programmers, things that four-year college doesn't always offer them.
1: Well, let's talk about the ramifications of this. You know, let's talk about the fact that, uh, you know, you you go on The View to talk about your book and um, – or, or did The View – no, I, um, I didn't go no, on. No, you didn't but, yeah, go they, on. I uh, no, yeah. they trashed you. You weren't even there, yeah. and they trashed you. Right. And you considered it defamatory. And they basically said that uh, uh, that you guys were involved with neo Nazis or something. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, it, it's all a bunch of garbage. You know, Judge, I really wish I could have went on. I, you went on a couple of years ago, if not. If I oh remember yeah,
1: that uh, was a, wild, a It was on. wild. <laughs> they threw me out, and I was happy That's, to go. <laughs>
3: Yeah, they 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 have a tendency to do that. So, yeah, it was it was really interesting. We had our amazing Turning Point USA Student Action Summit. You went down there, Judge.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love it. I was event. there.
3: Yeah, five thousand students, just and they're all you know super well dressed and patriotic and not radical at all. And yet the media they ignore that, right? So the the during the event there were these five lunatics that very well could have been Democrat paid operatives. I only say that. Because mm-hmm. we saw that in the Glenn Youngkin campaign. This is a strategy and a tactic we're seeing pop up more and more. Definitely. And I could go into detail, but but there were at least 10 or 12 very suspicious kind of characteristics with these quote-unquote neo-Nazis. But, okay, let's pretend that they were real. They came out outside of our event. We were immediately notified, told our security to try to kick them out. We were told they can't because they're on public property. Some of our more... Um, bold students went out there and started to debate them and said, like, get out of here. You're terrible. Eventually, we told everyone just to leave them alone, and they left after 20 minutes. We sent out a press release condemning them, saying totally and unilaterally that that sort of imagery and that sort of just kind of scummy language has no place in civil society. OK, mm-hmm. we thought that was the end of it. The media wrote it up, and then you know they, they wrote – I'd say the media did an OK job, not a great job. They made it seem as if the Nazis were there. In support of us when they were protesting us anyway who cares right the the media does what they do and I thought the story was over the following Monday the view comes and Joy Behar starts on one of her nearly incoherent rants where she just starts saying random words and putting them together and she says something like Joseph Goebbels and this whole thing and right before break Whoopi Goldberg got really excited of course not doing her homework and she said that quote turning point was complicit because we let the neo-nazis in we let them into our ranks mm-hmm. totally false defamatory slanderous not even so the then
1: you you then demand an apology yes. and more because they defamed right. you it was not true
3: That's right. Exactly. And so we sent a cease and desist letter. There's other parts of the story where Whoopi actually tried to correct herself, but she did so incorrectly. That's a longer story. But we sent a cease and desist letter. They read it publicly on air. Eventually, Whoopi offered this kind of half-hearted, scripted apology, which, look, I appreciate the gesture as an apology. I'm trying to be someone who forgives. I also struggle with this judgment. It's so obvious she doesn't mean it. So yeah, just, yeah. Well, look, this, so.
1: this is just a perfect example, Charlie Kirk, of how the left wants to demonize the right. They don't care what the facts are, but let's just demonize them. But I want to talk to you. You know, your book is on the uh, is on the issue of colleges. And now you've got the Biden administration who's talking about getting rid of uh college debt for young kids Mm when we've got more jobs available than ever when these young kids are you know have a whole lifetime ahead of them and i keep saying if you want to give anybody extra money how about you give it to the veterans the senior citizens who have to figure out whether they can buy food or gas talk to me about that
3: well look if we're going to do student loan forgiveness let's make the colleges pay this is something i say in the book which is why don't you have the scam of the cartel or the cartel that runs the scam pay it off? For example, Harvard has a fifty five billion dollar tax free endowment. Why yep. don't they take five billion of that and wipe out all the student loan debt of every Harvard graduate over the last thirty years? Yes. Or how about University of Texas Austin? They have a fifty two billion dollar endowment. You wow. know, student loan forgiveness is actually yeah, and I tally it by the way, Judge, the top the top ten endowments in america total over 250 to 280 billion dollars actually more than that the market is down a little bit as your as your audience knows but at the height of the market it was well over 300 billion dollars tax-free and so what these wow. colleges have actually become is they've actually become hedge funds with schools attached not all of them but out the top 50 schools that you think of even university of michigan and you know, University of Florida and Stanford—they have these massive, multi-billion-dollar endowments. And guess what? They don't use them for tuition assistance. They don't use them. They—what do they use, use them for? For? for their to perpetuate their own growth. The the goal what does of the endowment mean? is to— Well, to grow the endowment and to buy to build new buildings. So endowments, more than anything else, is kind of to expand the real estate empire of the college. That is one of the main missions, and then to preserve the assets and to grow the assets. Amazing. So Harvard's, Harvard's Harvard's endowment. Their goal is to make sure the number next year is bigger than
1: this year. Well, all right. And, so let's move on yeah. to something else, Charlie Kirk, because I, I I love having you on the show. I want to get your take on this. So we've got Brittany Griner. Okay, this woman violates the law of Russia. Uh, there, she admitted that she had the um, uh, the cannabis with in hashish oil, no less. Uh, in her luggage, uh, she never said anybody planted it. Um, she said uh, she was sorry that it was she didn't have any intent to violate the law. I this is a strict liability crime. And now you've got the Biden administration all over themselves. But let me say one thing. As a prosecutor, they have a law. She violated the law. Clearly, the sentence was egregious, nine years. Why is the Biden administration so wild about getting her back that they want to exchange her for the merchant of death and the arms stealer? And now all of a sudden they're tying in Paul Whelan, who's an, uh, a Marine veteran who's been there for four years, a white guy that nobody's talked about for four years. Now all of a sudden they're like, okay, we'll bring him back, too. What's your take on the Brittany Griner case?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, it's celebrity privilege, right? And so uh, Brittany Griner is um, a WNBA star. She shouldn't have done what she did. She's got to serve, you know, the penalty for that. And as an, you know, she's a fellow American, and so I hope that our government does something to try to get her of out. But the preference and the focus on trying to move around you know closely held russian nationals or people linked to the russian government is grotesque but it's celebrity it's celebrity privilege judge the message it sends you know you know how many preachers and pastors are in third world prisons right now that don't get priority from the u.s government a lot well look at paul whalen
1: and you know here's here's the the part of charlie kirk that really makes me wild uh Griner, this wnba star she took a knee every time the national anthem That's was exactly played right. and then as you know time went on she wouldn't come out of the locker room until they stopped playing the national anthem And now she wants the cavalry to come and get her right away. This is unfair. Okay? There's no talk of her not being guilty. The the talk is, and I agree, that it was an egregious sentence. And, you know, they're playing games. It's Russia. But, you know, I got to tell you, you you know, hopefully she will start. And they will get her back when they exchange her for the merchant of death. They will get her back. Hopefully she will recognize what a great country this is. This is the United States of America. America. we honor this country we honor the flag the national anthem and yet she despises it but now she's in a bit of a bind do yep. you think she'll change
3: uh I don't think so she might be quiet for a little bit but also we have to understand the Russians are playing us like a fiddle they know right. exactly what they got here right they know that they have a left-wing anti-American activist which of course then will get the attention of Joe Biden right just mm-hmm. think about if, if Brittany Griner was A patriotic, conservative, you know, kind of like a Herschel Walker type athlete. Do you think Joe Biden would be mobilizing the U.S. government? Think about how sick that is, Judge. The anti-American activist gets the priority from the government. But Russia knows what they're doing. So they're over-sentencing Griner intentionally. They're treating her like garbage intentionally. To try to get a prisoner swap in return.
1: There's no question. Charlie Kirk, it's always great having you on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Tower show. Good luck with your book. It sounds phenomenal. Uh, Everybody ought to get a copy of it. Basically, the college scam, how American universities bankrupt and brainwashed away the future of American youth. And. On 9 11, we vow to never forget. Help America keep that promise. Donate $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at t2t.org. That's number 2 torg
0: This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau.
1: All right, welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. We have a few phone calls. We have time to take them. So let's listen to uh, Larry from Brooklyn. Larry, welcome to Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers show. As far as Brittany Griner
2: goes, you know, this, this, uh, this hyper attention that's being paid to her, and I'm also outraged that Paul Whalen was sitting there for four years and nobody gave a damn about him. Mm-hmm. And I think this is. A, I think this is all coming from Obama, because if you remember when Joan Rivers made that comment about uh, Michelle being a tranny, uh, she was dead a couple of months later. And the doctors who were involved were not penalized at all by the state
3: for all their infractions. Gwen Caravan and the other doctors,
2: they had no infractions put on them at all by
0: the Office of Professional Conduct. As a prosecutor, what, what, what is that smack of?
1: Well, uh, you know, I don't know the specifics of the Joan Rivers case, but I can tell you that the Brittany Griner case is the kind of case that is getting the attention of the American government because of who she is. She's a left-wing progressive and uh, Paul Whelan, an Army veteran who's been there for four years. Nobody gave a damn. And it's a sad commentary on America. And it's even sadder, I must tell you, Larry, if she comes back and doesn't recognize what a great country she lives in when we do Bring her back, and I don't think there's any question, but that we will. Uh, but I thank you for your call, Larry. Let's go to Jim. Jim from Marinac. How are you, Jim?
0: Hello, hello again, Janine. We spoke twice before. Once I lamented how we both have children living in Brooklyn. I mentioned <laughs> how in build up. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, when Bill De Blasio left City Hall, we should all have got together and sing Na Na Hey Hey when he left. <laughs> but I, uh, well, I love you. But I want to mention our alleged representative Jamal Bowman, who is the only male member of the squad. I kind of, kind of think of him like Bosley on Charlie's Angels, hanging out with mm-hmm. the girls. He voted against the Abraham Accords. He voted against aid to the Ukraine, repealing the sole tax limitation. Now, Janine, I presume you have listeners who are Democrats in Westchester County who. Remember you and revere you for your work as a DA, and that's why I'm voting for Catherine Parker. I think you know her. She used to. She lives in Rye. She's primarying Jamal Bowman because this guy is just totally wrong for for New York and America. And
1: I don't know her, but you got in your little. uh, You got in your little hook for her. So thank you very much. And by the way, my daughter just sold her place in Brooklyn. Na 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 na. Okay, let's go to Ann from Staten Island. Judge Janine, I want to thank you so much for what you say about Britney. And I have to say, I
3: agree with everything, the way she feels about America. She will never apologize. But Mm. my
1: thing is, how come nobody is so upset about our Americans that are still stuck in Afghanistan and can't get out because the planes are grounded? They're forgotten. And all this about Britney, I couldn't give up. Well, I'm not going to say it. No. Don't I'll say it, late. Ann, but but no. I, th- I thank you. I, I must tell you, you know, we want all Americans home. And the shame of this is none of us would be frustrated if there were equal, the equal application of our, of our diplomatic efforts. But when you see the efforts that are really above and beyond, where they're going to release the merchant of death. Okay, this isn't a guy who just sold arms. I think there was a movie where Nicolas Cage, I think, played the arms dealer. I mean, this is a serious serious guy who's going to come out and kill again uh, for a basketball player who for some reason thought she could have cannabis in another country. And for anybody listening in, you know what? It is against the law in Russia to have cannabis, you know, and just it's against it's against the law in, in the federal government as well. But you can't assume that you're privileged and you're above everyone else uh, and therefore you're entitled. You're not entitled. There's no such thing as criminal privilege. But Ann, I want to thank you for calling in. We'll see if she changes when she gets back, if she appreciates the country that tried so hard to get her back. Uh, But anyway folks, we're we're almost out of time but I got to tell you, it's been great coming back to uh, America. Uh, I watched the liberal mayors freak out as Biden's border crisis comes to their doorstep. Biden's China debacle getting worse. And we want to thank uh, General Kellogg for joining us. And, uh, you know, the Democrats who still don't want anything to do with Biden, uh, but one who groveled after she said it, and that's Carolyn Maloney. And I want to thank Charlie Kirk for joining us and talking to us about the college scam and what's going on. But in any event, listen, God bless all of you. Keep up the good fight. I'm going to be fighting Uh, For as long as I can, this is a great country. God bless it. God bless America, and God bless you. Take care.